morning we're going to be looking at what the scripture teaches about open doors. Before we get there, I want to see if you were born after 1978, stand up. Born after 1978, stand up. Holy cow, look at that, all right? Uh, you may be seated because you won't even get this next illustration, all right? Uh, for those who didn't stand up, we had an opportunity. Uh, we were born before 1978, and in 1978, this company went public, and you had a chance to invest in this company. Now, take a look at those founding members of this company and say, I want to invest all of my life savings and my future retirement in these people. Well, if you look to the very bottom left, you might start to recognize a familiar face, maybe not so familiar. That is Bill Gates, who would launch Microsoft in 1978. And you had an opportunity to invest in that company, and you missed it. How do I know? Because you wouldn't be here today. You'd be on a beach somewhere had you invested in Microsoft in 1978. Take a look at this next picture and tell me if you know this guy's name. Anybody know who this is? It ain't Uncle Larry. It ain't somebody from your past. Uh, this guy's name is Ronald Wayne. That looks like uh, John Travolta years later after Disco World, right? Uh, Ronald Wayne, let me tell you about this guy. This guy, you're not going to believe this, was one of the founding members of a competitive company to Microsoft called Apple Computers. Ever heard of it? Apple Computers. Apple wasn't the Apple that it is today. Back then, uh, as he teamed up with Steve Jobs and the other guy, I can't pronounce his last name, Woskanowski or somebody like that, right? Three of these guys started this company to rival Microsoft. And they got in such bad shape, there was so much debt, this guy thought he was going to be left with all the bills to pay, and he sold all of his shares in Apple for $800. $800. They say today that that uh, amount of shares would be worth, in today's money, $100 billion. A missed opportunity. Now, again, half this audience won't relate to this next picture. There was this thing called Blockbuster Videos, all right? Uh, this place was awesome. This is what changed Americana, all right? This was allowed us to raise our kids, right? We would go every weekend to Blockbuster, and we'd rent these things called VHS tapes. Google it, all right? They're real. VHS tapes, you would put them into this archaic device, and you could watch videos at home. It was incredible. And the guy who invented Blockbuster Video became an overnight sensation multimillionaire. He would go on to invent a number of other companies. I think it may be Chipotle, uh, nine other companies that you would know about. This guy has made a lot of cash over the years, walked through a lot of doors of opportunity. The good news is the guy who created Blockbuster Video is a major believer. If you watch TV today, you'll see these campaigns called He Gets Us. Uh, start watching for him. You'll see him advertised at sporting events. You'll see it on YouTube videos that'll pop up. He gets us. The guy who created this company wanted to do something with his life for the kingdom of God. And so he's doing these advertising campaigns to get people's attention that Jesus isn't some character out of a Bible, but he really does get us. So it's pretty cool. But he does have a chapter not so pretty in his life as he had had all these successes with uh, business after business after business. He was approached during the year 2000 by Reed Hastings offering him to invest in a new startup company and they just wanted him and they wanted his influence 
and they thought that this was going to be an up-and-coming business, and he turned it down. He turned down this door of opportunity to purchase on the ground floor Netflix. He said, that'll never work. That isn't going to ever, I know what I'm doing in this space called Blockbuster Video, and he missed out on Netflix. That would be worth now $141 billion miss of opportunity. Well, those are just physical examples. Those are just historical examples of people who had a door of opportunity placed before them, and they missed the opportunity. In 2010, Cammie and I were blessed with a great opportunity to come back to Putnam City Baptist Church. We started ministering here in 1986. That's where I got to see Macy and her family, those children grow up together in this uh, church and serve with their parents. And then to get to come back again was a great door of opportunity. And when I preached my first sermon, December of 2010, I preached from the passage I want to preach from today. Turn to it, Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. This is uh, the, the revelation to the church in Philadelphia. If you're reading through this first part of the book of Revelation, it's the letter to the seven churches. Uh, this is a church that uh, existed in what is now modern-day Turkey. I had the privilege many years ago of going on a mission trip and seeing the seven churches of Revelation, and I literally stood on the actual soil where the church of Philadelphia once stood. The sad thing is that that church is now in ruins today. There is no congregation at the church of Philadelphia, but there was a time, there was a season when this church was on fire, when this church was being greatly and radically used by the Lord. Look at it, verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, that's not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, all right? That's the Philadelphia church, the church of brotherly love there in modern-day Turkey. He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David and opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. So behold, look at that next phrase, it's marked in yellow, underline it in your Bible, I have put before you an open door. If we look into scripture, we find that there is a God who opens doors and closes doors. That there is a God who opens the door of salvation and makes the way possible to be saved, but then is also the same God that in your salvation opens up doors for you to be used in his kingdom. For this church, they were known because they had the power of the Holy Spirit. They kept his word, and they were not denying his name. They were declaring the gospel to their community. And out of that, God says, because you've been faithful in these things, I'll open a new door. I've put this door before you. Now, a door exists to get us from one place to another, or it allows us entrance or keeps us from entering a new space. The Lord is saying to this church, I'm giving you a new opportunity. I'm placing it before you. What are you going to do with this door? Now, the Lord Jesus in Scripture has many different names that describes his person. He is our shepherd. He guides us. He protects us. But as he guides us, as we lean not on our own understanding, but acknowledge God in all of our ways, he makes our paths straight. And many times, that path will be led to a new door. Sometimes, God will close a door that we don't need to walk through, and I'm a testimony, like most in this room, that I've walked through doors I should have never walked through. 
I went through doors where all my friends were walking. I went because I was told on the other side of those doors was a great party, was a great opportunity. I'd find great fun. I'd have a blast. And I walked through wrong doors. But then we find in Scripture the ability to follow God as our shepherd, not for us to be our own shepherd, not for us to make our own decisions, but to trust him as our shepherd to guide us and to lead us. Matter of fact, in John chapter 10, you don't have to turn there, but you can see it on the screen. In John chapter 10, you know verse 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But look at verse 9. Go backwards a verse. Jesus said, I am the what? It's on the screen. You can read the word. I am the what? The door. Jesus said, I am the door. The very first door you've got to wrestle with in life is what door are you going to choose that gives you assurance of your salvation. Now again, in this audience, you don't get it. You probably don't know the show, Let's Make a Deal. A lot of us can remember where we had the opportunity. We could take a box, we could take a curtain, or we could take what's inside the jacket. We had a choice. And based on your choice, you either made a deal and scored a deal, or you scored some donkey that you got to take home or a little mama pigs, right? Uh, it, it, you, the choices determine the outcome. The best door, the door, the, the number one door you have to wrestle with is what door will I choose to have eternal life? Jesus said, I'm the door. He didn't say I was a door. He didn't say I'm one of many doors. He said, I am the door. And look at what it goes on to say. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. There's only one way that we can have the assurance of heaven and a relationship with God, and it's through the door. It is to walk through that door to confess I've sinned against God, I've fallen short of his glory, and my sin separates me from God, but he became a door. He became an entry into a relationship with that holy God, and I have to walk through that door. It's a choice you have to make. Now, you can say, I don't want to walk through that door. I don't need that door. I'm going to go this direction, and you can miss that door of opportunity. While a lot of us would have loved to have invested in Microsoft or Apple way back in the day or Netflix, that would have only lasted a lifetime. But we're talking about a door of eternity that is more than just this lifetime, but even beyond this life. What door will you walk through, will you trust with your eternity? Well, the first door, Jesus said, I am the door. If you will believe in me, you will be saved. But then we get to verse 10 of John 10, and he also said, not only am I the door to eternal life, but I am also the door of abundant life. For I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So after we enter through the door to be saved, now we find that he is the God who opens and closes doors to abundant life. And so many people in the church today have eternal life, but they're not experiencing abundant life. They have a ticket, they think. They have that assurance they'll go to heaven one day, but they're experiencing hell on earth because they're not understanding the doors that God opens and the doors that God closes. When we look throughout biblical history, we see example after example. Ask Jonah about the God who opens and closes doors. Now, his was a little unique. Jonah got in a point, he wasn't experiencing abundant life. He was experiencing a rebellious life. He was running from God. God had told him to go to Nineveh with the gospel to declare his name in Nineveh, a wretched city, a, a people who were 
his bitter enemies who had destroyed his nation, who had brought all kinds of grief and evil against his people. He hated them with all of his life, and there was no way he was taking the gospel to Nineveh. And yet God opened a door. God opened a door and said, I want you to go to Nineveh. He ignored that. He went his own direction, and what did God do? God sent him a big fish, and God opened a door. It happened to be lips, but they were doors. And then God closed the door. And don't you know that Jonah was thinking, holy cow, I'm in big, big trouble. Three days he was being digested by the big fish. That's nasty when you think about it. And he had to be thinking this was God's judgment and God's punishment, but it was God's correction in his life. It was God redirecting his path because three days later, guess what God, the God that closed those lips, guess what, he opened them again. And the Bible says he was spit up on dry ground. And do you know where he found himself? He was on the shores of Nineveh. God had returned him back. God had completed the work or was completing the work that he was doing in Jonah. God opens doors. God closes doors. If he had not closed the door of the lips of that fish, he would have drowned in the middle of the ocean. That became his transportation service, his Uber, if you will, into the center of God's will. We find Daniel, and Daniel finds himself with a door of opportunity to be used of God. Even though he didn't want to be there, he was now in Babylon, taken into captivity, taken away from his home, his family, his friends, because he was one of the select, elite young people of his generation, and that's who Nebuchadnezzar wanted for his kingdom. It was a door of opportunity. But during that door of opportunity, he was thrown into a lion's den, and he would survive that event. And he would tell Nebuchadnezzar later, he said, listen, what you meant for evil, what was supposed to destroy my life, God closed the mouths of those lions. God opens doors, God closes doors. Ask Moses. Moses was with two or three million people from Israel. Their back was against a Red Sea. They're facing an army that's approaching to destroy them. He had nowhere to go. But God opened a door. He split the Red Sea wide enough open for two million people to walk across on dry ground. And then he closed the door. As Pharaoh and his armies would pursue them, he would destroy the enemy as he closed the door on Pharaoh and his army. God opens doors and God closes doors. Ask Noah. Noah had an open door placed before him. He said, Noah, I want you to build an ark. A what? An ark. What's an ark? Well, it's a sailing vessel. Uh, it's, uh, I'm going to send a flood. What's a flood? They'd never seen rain on the earth to that point. And God says, I want you to build this monstrosity. He didn't tell them, but if he had, it's going to take you 100 years to build this ark. And Noah did that. And after 100 years of ridicule, persecution, family members probably wanting him to get a psych evaluation, other people wondering, has he lost his mind? After a hundred years, the day came and God said, I want you and your family and all living creatures two by two to enter the ark. Now is the day. Enter through the door. It says in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 15 that they entered that day. They entered male and female of all flesh. They entered as God had commanded them. They entered through the door. And as soon as they had all walked in, the Bible says the Lord closed the door behind them. 
Don't you know when the flood came? When all the people saw it rising and rising and rising? As soon as it got to where they couldn't take it any longer, don't you know they made their way to the ark and they're pounding on the door? But it's too late. They missed the door of opportunity. God opens doors and God closes doors. Man also tries to open doors and close doors. We try to kick the door open. We try to make stuff happen. We take things in our own hands. Let me give you some cases and some examples. Go to Matthew. Do you have your Bibles? Go to Matthew 16 and verse 22. And sometimes we even do this thinking we are serving God and we're missing God in the opportunity. In Matthew 16, verse 22, we find Peter dealing with life and trying to discover where God is at work. You get to verse 21. It says, from that time, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem to suffer many things from the elders, the priests, and the scribes, and that he would be killed, but he'd be raised up on the third day. Jesus is teaching his disciples telling them what is going to happen. Now, there are times in life where we think we see clearly and we can't see at all. Peter is listening to the Lord, but he doesn't see clearly. He thinks he does, for look at what he does next, verse 22. So Peter took him aside. Can't you see Peter? Uh, as you study his life, he's always in charge. He always knows what's best. He always can tell you what God's will is for your life, and he's going to do that for Jesus now. Isn't that interesting? And so he takes him, and can't you see him kind of in a condescending way, saying, Jesus, you need to come with me. Pulls him over. Doesn't want to embarrass him in front of the other guys. And I'm sure he's going to give him a man hug and say, man, we're going to get through this together, man. I'm so sorry that this is God's will. There's no man hug. Look at what it says he does. He takes him aside, and the Bible says he rebukes Jesus gets in his face and rebukes Jesus, says, you're a fool. You don't know what you're doing. I'm not going to let this happen. Forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. He's trying to close the door. Jesus is trying to be obedient to the Father. He's trying to walk through the door to, to uh, Calvary. And Peter is trying to slam it shut. May this never happen. If that had never happened, you and I would have no hope today. Peter thought he was doing God's will. Peter thought he was helping Jesus in a bad moment. Man, you're just depressed. You're just looking at this all bad. We've had a bad, bad week in the ministry. Uh, some people have rejected us. It's going to be okay. You're not going to die. I'm going to get you through this. We're going to make it to Jerusalem. Closing the door. Jesus turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's purposes, but on men." Can I tell you that that is our greatest disaster? That daily, if we're not careful, we can set our minds on our own business, on what others want us to do, on what we think we should do, on what we want to do, and not have our mind on God's business. I pray that you would have the mind of Christ. I pray that we the body of believers at PCBC, that we would have the mind of Christ and that our minds would be set on God's purposes. That's when you find open doors. 
And that's when God opens up new opportunities, when your mind is fixed on his ways and not our ways. We have to learn to see where God is at work and join him there because he is the engineer. We don't engineer the work. He's the engineer. We don't have to create the work. He is the creator. We just need to join God where God is at work. John chapter 18, we find Simon Peter again. He's got a second chance. He should have learned earlier. He should have known better. He's been warned that Satan was trying to to tear him apart. And we get to John 18, verse 10. Judas shows up to have Jesus arrested. He's betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. And Simon is also in the garden. Now, he's been sleeping on the job. He was supposed to be alert and praying, but he's been sleeping. He now wakes up to find Jesus getting arrested. And what does he do? He draws out, he does what any man does, he goes Rambo. What do you do when things aren't going well? You take things into your own hands. So what do you do? He draws a sword. And he cut off the ear, the right ear, of the servant to one of the priests. And he was all proud doing God's will. They ain't going to get you, Jesus. Man, I'll die for you. Watch, whack. Just what Jesus taught him to do. When somebody slaps you in the face, what do you do? You draw a sword and you cut off their ear. Isn't that what he taught? No. But he's doing what he thought he should do. He's trying to step in and he's trying to open the door to make sure Messiah gets to Jerusalem. Taking things in his own hands. His mind set on his own purposes and his own ways. And he was missing God every step of the way. How often do we make the wrong choice and pick the wrong door? How often do we try to make things happen rather than having our mind set on God's purposes and say, God, wherever you are, I want to be where you are. I want to be in the center of your will. Some practical opportunities that have arisen for us over the years as a church, numbers of things I could point to. I remember many years ago, we had just finished a strategic plan as a church. How would we maximize the 31 acres of this campus? And through that, one of the things that uh, was discovered in that two-year strategic journey was we were eventually someday, I don't know how we were going to do it, but we were going to build a recreational facility for this part of Oklahoma City, using it as an outreach for people physically, emotionally, mentally, and relationally, and use that as a bridge to build the opportunity to share the gospel with people in our city. That was going to cost millions of dollars to build. We didn't know how we'd do it, but it was in the plan. Then out of nowhere, our city decided they were going to build four wellness centers in different regions of the city, and they were looking for operators to run those facilities. As we began to pray about it as a church, we took a step of faith, and we submitted our name as an opportunity to run the very first of four wellness centers. That happened several years ago, and we were awarded after the ACLU was called in, after a number of people tried to close the door and prevent that opportunity. We were selected to operate the very first wellness center that exists right out there today as you leave the building The building that's out there to the north of us is the Adult Wellness Center. We look back now, and most churches would have never taken that step of faith, wouldn't have seen that as a door of opportunity, and we would have missed on one of the neatest things that's happening in our city, in this part of the city. Today, there are over 6,500 members of our city that are going over there. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that glorious? And their lives, they're telling us how their lives have been radically changed in their health, physically, relationally. That adult population of 50 and above, many of them were stuck at home. 
Many of them were discouraged as if they were living in a cave, and now they come there every day for relational wellness, for educational wellness, to learn new skills, to learn new friends, and also physical wellness. Done so well that the city awarded another $3.5 million to do an expansion, which been, has been going on this last year and a half. The second wellness center has already had to close. Had to, uh, it didn't work, and now the city's having to run the second one, trying to keep it alive, and yet God has given us favor through an open door we took as a step of faith. You see, if we're not careful, we can be so busy living in our box that we can't see God outside that box. We close our own doors instead of letting God open new doors. Some people look at life this way. Take a look at the screen at this next slide. This is how people see life. When they see life, they, they draw this conclusion, opportunity is nowhere. They don't see the open doors. They don't see what can be or what God is doing before them. But if you look at that, again, just keep watching the screen. Uh, watch what happens here as they click the next slide. That actually says opportunity is now here. It's a matter of perspective. And if we are looking through natural eyes, we won't see the doors of opportunity. But when our minds are set on God's purposes, we will see bigger doors and we'll see doors that only God can open, that no man can open and no man can shut. So let's talk about opportunities today. Ephesians. Turn to Ephesians 5. We've looked at it several times this last year, but I want you to see it again. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 16. It says this, so be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time, the most of your days, that you live a life that makes a difference, that you make the most of every day. Too many of us are burning days, wasting days, missing the doors of opportunity. Make the most of your times because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The New Living Translation says, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So there are certain seasons and there are certain opportunities that arise once in a lifetime. I didn't think, I, I never thought we would see a day where Roe versus Wade would be overturned. In 1973, Roe v. Wade became the law of the land. It allowed for abortions to be legal in the United States. Since that time, in 1973, only what we have recorded, what we know, there have been other uh, abortions that have happened outside of what's recorded, but we know of 64 million lives that have been aborted since 1973. Did you get the number? 64 million documented. Way more than that in actuality. And since 1973, every state has provided services for women who are pregnant and other health services. And the provider of choice for most states has been Planned Parenthood. You should be very familiar with Planned Parenthood. They have been the provider of choice for most women's health issues. When you Google their website, here are the services they provide, and I apologize, it's blurry, uh, but the very top three, abortion services, abortion referrals, birth control, go to the next line, emergency contraceptives, what they're calling contraception is actually abortion by pill, it's the morning after pill, they provide HIV services, transgender hormone therapies, they also provide some men health services, 
They provide some pregnancy testing, STD testing, and other women's services. Not all the services are bad, but if you look at the majority of the services they're providing are not life provision, but more death provision. Pointing people to give up on life rather than to raise life. We have an opportunity because on June 24th, 2022, the Supreme Court did not make it illegal for you can still get an abortion in America. What they did is they overturned Roe versus Wade and allowed it to be a state issue. We live in a state, the state of Oklahoma, that honors life, and it is not legal to get an abortion in our state. I'm thankful that we are a pro-life viewing state. But can I tell you, you can stay, amen, that's good, that's a good thing. But I can tell you this, you can still get an abortion in Oklahoma. You can do it with the morning after pill, or you can be consulted by Planned Parenthood, and they will send you to one of their providers in another state. Those are the answers they're giving young ladies and the next generation of families. We have an opportunity before us that has never existed since 1973. We have an opportunity to be a faith-based provider, to provide services to women who are pregnant in the state of Oklahoma and mainly here in Oklahoma City and give them answers that are very different than what they're going to get from Planned Parenthood. I want you to watch this video. It tells you about our new ministry called Community Bridges Parenting Services. Watch this with me. The Supreme Court has reached a decision on the landmark Roe v. Wade case. Colleges have a term called flashbulb memory, which is you remember where you are when something happened. Mm. Big deal. 9-11, yep. Kennedy assassination. Today is the moment right now when we are going to learn uh, the fate of constitutional abortion rights in America. In Arizona at the state capitol, officers firing tear gas at protesters. And in Providence, Rhode Island, a police officer, a Republican running for state office, has now been charged with simple assault. But outside the Supreme Court, cheers and relief for those against abortion rights. to prepare and think about the life that's growing inside of you and just that excitement um, is so unique and one of a kind um, but then there's a baby in your arms all of a sudden and um, it's just an immeasurable amount of love that you really just can't understand until it's in the moment um, so it's a really incredible journey and it's really like your heart is walking outside of your body just the love you have for that baby Here at PCBC, we have started a new pro-life ministry because we love you and your baby. We know that there can be extremely difficult circumstances and emotions throughout this time of life. We know there are struggles, confusions, and questions going on throughout your mind, or even celebration, joy, and laughter. We want to be there for you. That is why we created Community Bridges Parenting Services for any mom from pregnancy through 12 months. Community Bridges Parenting Services want to offer you material resources, parent education, and mentoring. These resources and education will come from mothers who have experienced what you're going through, and we want to help you find truth and freedom in the name of Jesus. 
PCBC family, with this new ministry comes new opportunities to serve. We need your help donating items to our baby drive for our mothers in need. You can help either bring items from our list or purchase using our Amazon registry. If you are an expecting mom or a new mom, we want you to participate and make an impact in this new ministry. And even if you are not an expecting mom or new mom, we want women of our church to still volunteer and encourage throughout this new ministry. This will be a very rewarding experience if you just choose to um, be a part. Tells you a little bit more about the new ministry that we're starting. Why do we do that? Well, we've been praying for years for God to overturn Roe versus Wade. It's not enough just to pray. We need to step through the door of opportunity now, and we need to be the provider of services to women who need to learn. The Bible says we're to train up our children the way they should go. What we know statistically in America today, and even right here in Oklahoma City, the younger generation, the majority of the younger generation, would claim that they have no faith or little faith at all. Many of them don't know what the Word says. They don't know how to train up a child in the way their child should go. And we get to be a provider of services to help them discover that. To discover what it means to have a biblical marriage. To discover what it means to train up a child in the the ways of the Lord and and the design that God has for their life. And we get to provide those services. If you go to the last slide for me, here's what we need you to pray about and how you can help. We need you to help us with our very own young women, many of you in this service. If you have a baby that is 12 months or younger, we'd love for you to be a part of this program with us. You'll be hearing more about it in October. We can provide you with free resources. Who doesn't need free diapers and free formula? We can provide all those things for you. By you participating in the program, you help us generate funding to provide more services, but you also get to be a missionary. As you go through the different educational classes that will be offered, You'll be able to learn how to be a great mom, but you'll also be be able to be right beside another mother who doesn't get it, who's looking for somebody their own age who can kind of encourage them. And you can build a relationship with a lost person, another mother who's going through what you're going through, and use that as your ministry. That will be an awesome opportunity. So if you're a young mom, we need you to help us by being a part of the program. We also need mentor moms. Now, this doesn't mean you are super mom and you're the perfect mom. What it means is you have been there, done that, and you would serve alongside of another mom who's going to be watching videos, learning through the curriculum, and you're just there to encourage them, to be there, to answer questions for them. You're not saying I'm the perfect mom, but you are saying I want to encourage you to be the best mom you can be. We need those mentor moms. We also need other general volunteers. There's a number of ways that you can help with this ministry from helping us uh, do the storage of the supplies to packaging the supplies to distributing the supplies all kinds of other things we need prayer warriors and we also need you to help us fund the baby supplies that we'll be giving out those baby supplies as you saw in the video can be found on our webpage we have an Amazon baby registry you can go purchase there have them all delivered here to the church we'll receive those and we'll start building our supply closet a door of opportunity Let us not just be thankful for what's happening in our day, but let us be wise and let us take steps through this new door of opportunity and make a difference in the families yet to come. Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, that's one practical application. There are other applications. You may be here today and you've never stepped through the door of salvation. You've never seen that Jesus is the door, the only way. And today, God is showing you that you need to be saved. 
you need to take that step and say, Lord, forgive me. You need to repent of your sins, acknowledge Jesus as Savior and Lord, and trust him to save you in this moment. He said, if you would believe in me, you shall be saved. Do you need to be saved today? I'd encourage you to pray right now and say, Lord Jesus, I see that you are the door to eternal life. And God, I trust you with my life today and forevermore. God, I turn from my sin. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Save me, Lord. The Bible says he will. If you call on his name, you'll be saved. Is that you just now? Did you just pray that either online or in this room? When we stand in a moment, if you're in this space, I'm going to encourage you to come to minister and say, I walked through that door today. I asked Jesus to save me. You come. If you're online, you can email us at ministry at pcbc.tv. We'll get back with you through email. And I know there are a lot of people in this room, you've walked through the door, you know Jesus as your Savior, but you've been, your mind has been set on your ways or another way, not his way. Like Peter, you're trying to live for God, but you're missing the doors of opportunity because your mind is not set on God's purposes. I wonder how many of us woke up today with our minds set on God's purposes. God, what do you want to do in my life today? God, what is it that you're doing? God, let me see what you want to do through me. Maybe you need to pray for God to open your eyes. You can't go through open doors till you have open eyes. God, open my eyes. May we as a church pray, God, give us favor in our city. May we provide services to women who are hurting, who are searching, to young families that are getting started, to young dads. God, let us bring them through the door. However you need to pray, you pray. I'm going to pray over you. If you have a decision to make for the Lord, I'm going to encourage you to come to the front and share that with us. We want to give God all the glory as he works in your life. Lord, that is our prayer, that we would honor you with every step that we take, that we would see where you're at work, the doors that you place before us, and that we would walk through those doors. May you receive all glory, honor, and praise in these next moments. For we ask it in Jesus' name.